Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, live from Larry H. Miller Chrysler, Jeep Dodge Ram in Sandy, right here at the Auto Mall, 10905 South Auto Mall Drive. Come on by. They'll take care of you. We still have a few T-shirts to give away as well. We're going to talk to Josh Parcell, Gordon, coming up here momentarily. Well, I came here today. It put me in the Christmas mood, in the holiday mood. They have they have decorations. They have uh, music playing and all that sort of thing. But yeah, maybe uh, kind of get into the spirit. You of weren't in it already, but coming to this fine car dealership has thrust you into the holiday spirit. It has. I see. Have you ever gotten a car for Christmas or given anyone a car for Christmas? No. What do I look like? Of course not. No. It feels good. Yeah, I bet it does. <laughs> uh, I guess the, the question now that pops into my mind is how many cars have you given? I got, for, for Christmas, just, just once for my wife. Just once for the wife. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Get a Samsung S10 for $0 when you activate a new line of service with FlexLease now through December 26th. He is our National College Football Insider. Uh, he does a show for WFNZ in Charlotte as well as uh, Sirius and XM Radio and, of course, the College Football Country Podcast. He's our good friend Josh Parcell. Hi, Josh. What's going on, fellas? How are you? Hey, we're doing great. Um, you know, Utah had some high hopes there going into the Pac-12 title game, really lost a, a tough one. But uh, what's your kind of, now that the regular season is in the books, what's your uh, your final conclusions about Utah? I felt like they picked the wrong time to have their worst game of the season. I mean, you, you guys know I've been telling you all year long how much I, I really do like that team and love that defense. And it, it, Oregon just completely gassed them on Friday night. It's you know, you hate to see that happen. It's it just these are college kids, and sometimes they come out flat. Sometimes, for whatever reason, you just you don't have it that night, and you just hope that it's not a night where you're playing for the conference championship. And unfortunately, that's exactly what happened for Utah. So I hate it for those kids. They had such a great year. You take away really one bad half against USC, and and they were virtually flawless all year long up until that game. But you know, that's college football. There, there's not a lot of margin for error, and. Utah learned that the hard way on Friday. Josh had brought up the whole topic of what Oregon had done. It lost the game against Arizona State, but what kept it out of the playoff was that loss to Auburn. If they hadn't chosen to play that game, then they probably would be going to the playoff. I mean, there's a good chance they could have done that. And so it brings up the whole argument about yeah. non-conference scheduling. Yeah, it does, and I, I don't think there is a perfect formula, guys. I mean, if you remember a couple of years ago, Ohio State, they got in as an at-large, and really one of the biggest reasons why they got in was that they went on the road to Norman and beat Oklahoma early in the season. So th those games are high-risk, high-reward. Uh, you know, you guys have seen this in the Pac-12 in the past where Washington has been kept out or, you know, when, when you don't have a strong non-conference schedule. This happened to Baylor a handful of years ago and may have happened to Baylor this year had they won where if you just play, you know, a bunch of really small time group of five or even FCS teams, 
you're going to have a hard time winning that that tiebreaker when we get down to that fourth and fifth Power Five conference champion, or perhaps an incredibly strong, you know, at large team from the SEC or maybe the Big Ten. I think that you, a lot of teams need to schedule those games. I know that there is a risk in in losing it. I get it, but man, I mean, you think about Oregon. They led that game for 59 minutes too. I mean, that, I would say instead of you know scheduling lighter, finish the deal. You scheduled a tough game. You, you led for 59 minutes, and then you gave it away in the final moments. Oregon was inches away from having a win that you know even that Arizona State loss might have uh, not kept them out if they had beaten Auburn. So, Josh, where are you on the whole discussion that's going on right now about number of conference games? Some conferences it's eight, some it's nine. Uh, and some people say, no, that's not what's important. What's important is facing 10 FBS schools. What, what, what do you think? Uh, what you said second makes a lot more sense to me. Uh, I think that when you have you know, some rivalries that are out of conference that you need to protect, it becomes difficult to try and you know, uh, le- or legislate would be the right word, how many conference games each team should play. Guys, we know, I know some people believe, you know, the SEC gets too much credit for being a better league. Playing nine SEC games, in my eyes, is more difficult than playing nine ACC games, for example. So to try to force every team to play the same number of games and, and just presume that that is equitable some, for some reason, I don't think so, guys. I, I think every conference is different, so I don't think you need to try to set a, a certain number of games I agree with you and what you said. You should have to play 10 Power 5 opponents. You get one group of five opponent, and you can play in FCS. And that way those FCS schools are getting money to go play in these pay-for-play games. It helps keep those athletic departments thriving. And I think that's the way that you keep college football healthy. And then you, you have it at least somewhat, somewhat, I think, equitable when you're talking about strength of schedule between conferences. He is Josh Parcell with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Josh, this year it seemed like the four teams getting in after it all played out was kind of a layup. Uh, but how do you think the committee did on the seating? I agreed with it. I, I felt like LSU deserved to get in uh, that number one spot over Ohio State based on the way they played in that final week. I felt like LSU and Ohio State all year long were incredibly close. And in that final weekend, you saw Ohio State struggle for an entire half, lay a complete egg, to be frank, and then have to come back to beat Wisconsin, which is a team that they had already beaten once. So it didn't really, I think, strengthen their resume in the same way that LSU thoroughly dominating a beat-up, but still a top-six team in Georgia. I felt like that was just enough to give LSU the nod over Ohio State. But, guys, I'll say this right now. This is the best college football playoff we will have ever seen. I think it's the absolute best. Very rarely have we had uh, a matchup. I don't think we've ever had a matchup like we're getting in the semis with Ohio State and Clemson. And I know Oklahoma has some flaws on defense, but I I, I think that if you get Jalen Hurts, a Heisman finalist, four-time college football playoff appearances, going up against LSU, I think you're getting as as strong of a playoff top to bottom as we've ever had. And I think the seeding is exactly right. Do you think – is that the most likely upset – do you think Oklahoma over LSU? Mm-hmm. Is it? I, I don't um, know. I I would pick the favorites, but uh, Jake always makes fun of me because I always pick the favorites. <laughs> I mean, I just listen. Uh, Clemson's favored against Ohio State, but I don't think that it would be fair to call Ohio State beating Clemson much of an upset. I and mean, that's an undefeated team that has every bit the same kind of talent that Clemson does. I I tend to think Clemson wins that game. I love what the Tigers have on both sides of the ball, and 
Uh, I mean, it's, it's really hard to tell the difference between those two teams. I actually think the advantage Clemson has in that one. I like their receivers a little more than Ohio State. I think they have more game-breaking, game-changing ability on the outside than Ohio State. But, uh, I mean, when you talk about those two teams, they're neck and neck. I think LSU is going to keep it within the number. I know that spread is around 13 and a half. I think Oklahoma does give them a game. Oklahoma's defense isn't great, but it's better than it's been in years past. So I think Oklahoma hangs around. But, man, you watch LSU the other night. Yeah, I mean, that is, that's a special, special ball club that feels like it's, it's gaining confidence every single week. And nobody's been able to slow down Joe Burrow yet. I'm not sure Oklahoma's going to be the first one to do it. Josh, uh, two-part question for you. Um, three out of the four quarterbacks in the playoff are transfers, and Utah uh, just yeah. picked up a transfer from South Carolina, Jake Bentley, who's going to transfer to join the Utes next year. So my questions are, are uh, you know, your thoughts on Brantley, uh, if you have any, and, and secondly, you know, with this transfer portal, are the coaches that are going to figure out a way to, to use it really the ones that are going to be ultimately successful, got to jump on board with kind of the changing landscape? Yeah, I mean, I'll answer the second question first. I think the results kind of speak for themselves, right? I mean, LSU brings in this kid in Joe Burrow. Now, granted, they brought in a coaching staff and Joe Brady, an assistant that has really unlocked a new level for Burrow, but you know, LSU would not have been this lethal offense with the quarterbacks they've had in the past. So getting that guy was huge. Oklahoma, they'd be starting a true freshman probably this year if they didn't have Jalen Hurts. So they went from a team that probably would have been rebuilding to the number four team in America. Uh, so, yeah, I believe that the, tra- the coaches who are, understand how to maximize the, the transfer portal, especially at quarterback, and th- those are going to be the ones still contending. And I don't think that's going anywhere anytime soon. As far as Jake Bentley, listen, he's an experienced kid, essentially started for three and a half years at South Carolina. He regressed, it felt like, in his time in in Columbia. It was a guy as a freshman that showed a lot of promise and never really seemed to hit that next gear with the Gamecocks. But you wonder how much of that is the fact that Will Muschamp and his coaching staff have historically struggled at developing those guys. So you put him out there at Utah, I think it's great to have a guy like that who's experienced, who's played in the SEC for several seasons. Uh, I don't think he's the same dynamic player that Tyler Huntley is, but Huntley emerged this season and kind of surprised us too. So good for Utah. It's a great get for them to get an experienced player. And like you said, I mean, this is kind of the way college football works these days. Try to find these mercenary quarterbacks who can come in for one year and and help, uh, help you compete for a conference title and maybe more. Josh, I know you got a plane to catch, but I wanted to, to just bring this one point up with you real quick because we've talked with you about it so many times, the whole idea of a playoff expansion. I've heard more talk about that from some of the powers that be in the last week. Do you think that this is something, if you were a betting man, would you say, what, what's this postseason going to look like five years from now? Five years is is pretty soon, but I, I do feel like there's going to be a lot of pressure to make this happen pretty quickly. Uh, the the deal ends in 2026, I believe, uh, for the rotation. That'll be the third time around for the, or actually no, second time around technically for the for the New Year's Six Bowl. So I do think that right around then is when you'll see them reevaluate this, and it can't come a moment too soon, guys. Uh, I, I just feel like we have to go to eight. This year is. Is certainly one where it was easier to pick those four teams. But as you guys mentioned before, like look at Oregon. Oregon's a team that you know had a couple bad games, really one bad game. I wouldn't call the, the Auburn loss a bad game. But one bad night has cost them an opportunity to compete for a title. Um, I, I use this stat all the time. But outside of last season, the first five national champions during the college football playoff era, all of them lost a game. 
during the season to a team that was ranked 10th or worse. A lot of them lost even worse to unranked teams. So it's possible for even the team that wins the national title to have a bad day and lose to a team ranked outside the top eight. You mean to tell me that if the number eight team in America got a chance to play for the title, they would have no shot? at beating the team number one. You know, we, we rank these teams, and we think that teams are unbeatable just because they run the table in the regular season. But reality is, in college football, anything can happen on any given night. You guys saw that last week in the Pac-12 title game. A team can play great all year long. And if you don't do it on the, on the right night with the championship on the line, you don't get to take home the trophy. I, I do think that there's more than four teams most years capable of winning a tournament. And I think that eventually we have to go to it. Five or six years from now is probably when you'll see it happen. Josh, we know you're about to jump on a plane. Let's let's uh, guess real quick. Where do we think Josh is going to escape the arid mm. December weather there in Charlotte? I'm guessing Jamaica, Josh. Where are you going? I'm saying Cancun. <laughs> I wish. Uh, much colder. I'm actually headed to Philadelphia. I'm going to watch uh, Army and Navy on Saturday. Oh. I cannot wait. First time ever seeing that game. Uh, it's a bucket list item, and uh, I'm, I'm super excited about it. Oh, man, that's awesome. Well, enjoy, Josh. Thanks for jumping on with us. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. We'll talk to you soon. See ya. Josh Parcell, uh, SiriusXM Radio, part of their college football coverage. Also WFNZ in Charlotte and the College Football Country Podcast. I've never been to that game. I had opportunities to go to it uh, because of my proximity to Philadelphia But uh, growing up. But, uh, Jake, uh, is that something that you would really like to see? Because Absolutely. Let's say the football itself isn't going to be great, although Navy had a good year. No, but it's like uh, Josh was saying. It's one of those bucket list things, you know, to experience the, the atmosphere. and The midshipmen and the cadets uh, yeah. in their uniforms and whatnot. I mean, pretty there. awesome. There's, I mean, there's a reason that game is, is highlighted and on network television and such a big deal across this country. Well, yeah, absolutely. too many times it hasn't been because of the quality of play. But absolutely, that's something you'd want to experience, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. no doubt about it. All right, big thanks to, uh, to Josh for jumping on with us. We haven't done much handicapping of the old college football playoff quite yet uh gordon are you are you going chalk is that was that I what's happening i don't know he are you brought, picking well, lsu to roll no maybe but i think ohio state has a chance clemson has a chance i yeah josh Minson mentioned that uh i i wouldn't i i don't think i would touch this uh, from a standpoint of oh yeah lsu's gonna cover it I, no i don't know about that so I think where you are going to be conflicted is in the Ohio State Clemson yeah. matchup, because mm-hmm. which which way do you go with the front runner side? Do you go with the higher seed or do you go with who <laughs> Vegas is favoring? Uh, it's a conundrum. So who do you who do you side with to pick the favorite here? I don't I don't know. Are you going to go with with Vegas or are you going to go with the college football playoff committee? I think I'll probably flip a coin. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Oklahoma's uh, got no shot, right? I mean, no, well, Josh I, I, said they do, but no, I think Joe Burrow's going to carve up that defense. Um, Oklahoma's defense has gotten a little better as of late, but it's still not terrific. And I, I honestly, I want to pick Clemson over Ohio State for no other good reason than I am going to pull for the ACC team, and I do think that they've got. All the talent is there that we saw steamroll uh, through the playoff last Those year. Those receivers are so good. So good. And, and yeah, so I, I think I'll go Clemson, LSU, and then hmm, they've got the quarterback at LSU finally. Their defense isn't terrific either. We saw what they did to the Aggies. That was rough. Yeah. Uh, I'll probably go with LSU. LSU over Clemson in the championship game. That's what I'm thinking. Well, all right. All right. 
Well, we'll see. And I don't you're not going to add? You're not, you're I, not I, going to participate? I just don't know. I, I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not that guy that says it's all LSU and nobody else can compete. I. I think, uh, like you mentioned, a couple of those teams can, could surprise. I've saved myself a lot of money not betting on sports. Or have you lost yourself a lot of money not betting on sports? How many gamblers do you know who end up on the positive side? There are some. Uh, I had a buddy that was his job during college. Oh, really? He seemed to, was he uh, really uh, good at it? Uh, he, well, he told us he was. <laughs> He didn't come home and say, fellas, I just lost lost everything I own. Yeah, I, I mean, I get the impression we, we heard about the wins more than we did the losses, but his car always had gas in it, so I don't know. Are you still in touch with your college friend? I am. Yeah, yeah, is, I am actually still in touch with this person. No, not my bookie. <laughs> and I don't know how much sports gambling he's he still does. Wish uh, I was in touch well, with my pe- college friends. Are, aren't there people who do that? <laughs> We brought you down, Austin. I'm sorry. No, that no, was not, not my intent. Not at all. No. No, it's Just ruining it, relationships. You were, these were your best friends, huh? Were. That's a sad <laughs> word. Yeah. Merry Christmas, everybody. Time <laughs> all to remember right, we're live here. near and far. Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep Dodge Ram, and Sandy. We've got Sam Amick hopefully coming up right around the corner. Stay tuned. You can still uh, drop by and see us. We have some T-shirts for you, 10905 South Auto Mall Drive. Uh, you can check out. Uh, they've got all sorts of great deals. You can check them all out at LHMDeals.com. They are Utah's number one volume Jeep dealer. Utah's largest selection of new vehicles is right here. Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep Dodge Ram in Sandy. More straight ahead on the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You know, sometimes I just wonder, what are we doing on this show? We just are, reco- we we just recorded something, and uh, I, have you, we ever had to like completely edit out an entire segment? Yes, because I think happened. we just did. <laughs> no, 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 no. You know what? No, we, no, we. I, I had no role whatsoever in the stuff that needs to be edited. <laughs> Prove it. Yeah, but, yeah, but it, it wasn't was you it wasn't, and Austin. It wasn't because what? it was bad. It was because it was it was uh, it was misunderstood. Bad. It was bad. <laughs> All right, we're live. Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep Dodge Ram here in Sandy, 10905 South, Auto Mall Drive. Come by and see us. Still have a few shirts to give away and, of course, great deals on new and used vehicles. We're hoping to talk to Sam Amick of The Athletic coming up here momentarily. Uh, We were going to have Sam on earlier in the show, but he's working on a big story. Yes. And so uh, we uh, we bumped us back a little bit, Gordon, and hopefully he'll be able to join us. But of course, when you're a, when you're a big deal like Sam, you got to work. When those stories break, you got to be on top of it. Yeah, so. and he, if he got the story, then he's probably typing it out as we speak. But hopefully, he'll be able to join us. Uh, no doubt about it. We'll talk a little NBA basketball with Sam. Get his thoughts on uh, on the Utah Jazz. Let me ask you this, Gordon: When Mike Conley comes back, what do you do? You put him back in the starting lineup. Four, four. I mean, you can't. Well, they I, don't I, play six guys. I, I put. Uh, I, I, it's, it's a tough question. I mean, it's. A, I wish I had a snappy answer, but I think I would. I would leave Joe Ingles in the starting lineup, and Royce O'Neal might come off the bench. 
might come off my bench. I don't. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's. Uh, it's time for your NBA daily assist. Austin, hit it. Oh, and of course, at the worst possible time, the computer <laughs> freezes. Isn't that always the story? All right, out to the Sprint special guest line we go. Get a Samsung S10 for $0 when you activate a new line of service with Flex Lease. Now through December 26th, visit the Sprint store nearest you. Joining us now from time. The Athletic, he's our good friend, nope, it's Sam Amick. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, sorry about the clunky intro. How are you? No worries, gentlemen. How are you? What's going on? You know, uh, we're we're talking to jazz fans, Sam, and uh, it's been a bit of a roller coaster. The Jazz uh, have not played particularly well over the last week, and then they have a game last night against Minnesota where the ball's moving, and uh, and it looks like Jazz basketball is supposed to look. So we're just kind of trying to diagnose things. And uh, uh, today, you happen to catch this market on an uptick. I did indeed. Not a, not enough upticks for Jazz fans' uh, preferences lately, but. I mean, the good news here, guys, is I can't remember a team in just in recent memory that was roundly criticized as much as these Jazz. But then, you know, when you look up at the actual standings, is in okay shape. You know what I mean? Like, I just cheated and, and looked right now. So you're 14 and 11. Uh, you're you're three games back of the third spot in the West. You know, you're four and a half back from the second spot. There's a lot of season left. So, you know, they could be worse. They could be Portland, you know, looking up at playoff position from the 11th spot. But, but just because the, the summer went the way it went, you know, we, we know what the expectations were. And that's we've talked about that a lot. It's just it's always the expectations versus the outcome. And that formula is, is not in the Jazz's favor so far. We've seen enough of the positive, uh, Sam, for, to, to, to know what the potential could be if the ride gets smoothed out a little bit, if they're just a little more consistent with an offensive performance, moving the ball and then taking good shots and actually having the ball drop. Then uh, I guess you could say that about any team, but this team seems well-suited for that, you know, and it's sort of surprising that it, it hasn't gone that way early on, at least not to that level that you were talking about of expectation. Yeah, I mean that's it's funny. Uh, ironically, I'm I'm in Dallas, guys. I'm jumping on the the Luka Doncic uh, train to, to check him out, and so I'm in the hotel room, and the uh, ESPN show The Jump is on the TV, and they've got a segment. That to your point, Gordon, that they have a, a make or miss segment where they just have fun with the idea that it's a make or miss league, and it's the most simplistic concept you could ever find, and it's also 100 percent true. And you know, teams like the Jazz. Uh, and a bunch of others all around the league you know, get reminded of that the hard way all the time because you, you know, all, the best you can do is, is create open looks and have your offense function, you know, in the kind of way where you're getting good looks and where, you know, the system is working. Um, but then you just inevitably have stretches where good shooters are missing open looks and and uh, and the shooting isn't what you you thought it was going to be. So um, you know, and, and that stuff ebbs and flows and. So we'll see where they take it. Sam Amick of The Athletic with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Sam, tell us a little bit about uh, what you've been working on in regards to, to Carmelo Anthony and uh, the story for The Athletic. But do you examined a little bit, at, at very least, his ending in Houston, as strange as that was. 
Yeah, I mean, so I, it's funny. I, I talked to Vince Carter um, a couple days ago, and it was actually for a different story that will come out at some point. And it just kind of felt natural to, as kind of an aside, to get Vince's opinion on Melo and this stage of his career. Melo being back, you know, Melo, um, and, and in general, the idea that that he's, you know, been pretty stubborn to, to want to be a starter. You know, he was willing to come off the bench with the Rockets, but that didn't go well. You know, only just 10 games and, and a pretty abrupt finish to his time in Houston. And what I tried to get into is that amid all of the celebration about, you know, Melo being back and the fact that he had some really good games early on and, and you know, he got the player of the week honors, but, you know, we got to be honest about that. That was a little bit of a, a legacy hat tip from the NBA. There was plenty of other guys who had better weeks. But nonetheless, they give Melo player of the week, and everybody just kind of doing a little victory lap for him. And the point that Vince made, and he wasn't being negative, he wasn't trying to rain on Melo's parade, was that we still haven't learned anything new about Melo in terms of is he going to gracefully – segue at some point into that six-man type of role and even seventh or eighth man to extend his career. You know, Vince has not been a starter in the NBA for more than eight years now, which is crazy. But at 42 years old, he still wants to be on the team bus. He still wants to be in the league and, and wants to play the game. And he has kind of changed his stripes in the kind of way that allows you to do that. And uh, But it's not an easy transition. We've seen Melo struggle with that from an ego standpoint from a pride standpoint and and the point that Vince was kind of making was that Melo happens to get a starting role on this Portland team but when this summer comes around and Yusuf Nurkic is healthy again and Zach Collins is healthy again for the Blazers uh, and Melo's a free agent you know he's going to have to ask himself again you know what kind of role he's willing to accept Sam, in your time covering the league, which has been substantial now, I'm not calling you old, I'm just calling you experienced, <laughs> but how often do you see teams that play with, uh, uh, they make basketball look like it's fun as opposed to teams that win but seem kind of miserable? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, I mean, listen, full disclosure, the, just the fan in me in terms of just enjoying the game, uh, got spoiled for the last five years on the West Coast because I know fans definitely did not like, you know, fans not outside of the San Francisco Bay Area did not like the Warriors and what they represented, and people thought it was unfair. Um, it was a fun brand of basketball to watch, you know, both before and after Kevin Durant came to town. So, you know, those types of teams are fun. Um I would say, you know, the Cavs teams that they went up against at their best were fun, and, and I would specifically go to the Ty Lue chapter with Kyrie and Kevin Love and, and went healthy. You know, those guys had a good time. The Houston Rockets are just universally kind of labeled as not fun. It's a different brand of basketball. They get the job done, and I'm not saying their individual players don't have a good time. But, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, just different styles. Um, I enjoy watching the Bucks. Um, you know, when the, when the, you know, with Giannis and what he does, but all the complimentary pieces around there and the way that Mike Budenholzer has set up their system. Uh, it, there's just, I think it's like anything else. You've got teams that you like watching and teams that you don't. A lot of times in hoops, I think that's tied to the fun factor. 
The reason I bring that up is because we were watching the Jazz last night, and as we said, they were moving the ball, they were making their shots, they hit 56%, and they made it look fun, and they were smiling, they were they were uh, patting each other on the back, rooting for each other and all that. And during this stretch where they lost six of eight, I didn't see as much of that, you know. But uh, I know right. that winning is winning is fun. I get that. But there are some teams that seem like they make it look more fun than others. I guess that was my point. No, for sure. I mean, again, I think another it's it's not, you know, assist or something that you could look at and probably connect some of the dots there. I mean, those Warriors teams at their best were, were giving you 30-plus assists a game, so that ball is popping around. Um the Rockets recently, I want to say it was a game against the Raptors, really got my attention because they had shut down James Harden for the most part, but James just pivoted and went into distribution mode. And the Rockets, you know, kind of surprisingly were really, you know, had that ball hopping around and they were fun to watch. So, um, and I do think you can't ever forget just about the human component of it, which is that, you know, when guys like each other, when guys are vibing and the chemistry is there, you can see that as opposed to teams that just can't seem to get on the same page. Sam Amick of The Athletic with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And I, uh, Sam, I know you wrote a little bit about this as well, but uh, Kawhi getting his ring in Toronto last night, I thought that had a potential to be a super awkward situation <laughs> and it appeared to be anything but. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I actually, um, so I did go to Toronto um, and I'm going to write a piece for next week um, on Kawhi. We're doing kind of, end, you know, end of the year awards of sorts. And so I've got a Kawhi feature coming out. And it was honestly one of the most unique celebrations I've ever seen. Um, it's funny. We had a bunch of people from the athletic there. And so was trying to be a good soldier, and I took the uh, I took the media seat that it wasn't the best, and I was up in the hockey press box at Scotia Bank Arena, which is extremely high, and it gives you like a bird's eye view of the uh, the floor, and it actually made for a fun little seat to watch the ceremony because not only are you you know seeing the fan reaction and, and having you know that vantage point, but when they got to the part where the lights dimmed, the whole place went black, and the spotlight honed in on the basket where his four-bounce game-winning jump shot from the right side against Philly in the Eastern Conference Finals, you know, fell. Um, you could see that from up top, and it was kind of cool. And you could see the way the, the crowd reacted to it. And just from a production standpoint, it was a really creative approach to the entire thing. I mean, it not only had the spotlight on the rim, they had the spotlight showing the path that he took on the floor, uh, you know, they couldn't have done a better, more, you know, classier job of honoring a guy that obviously wasn't there for very long, but when you haven't won a championship as a franchise and, and one guy is clearly the, the, the main piece in that title run, then, you know, I think they did the right thing. Even though he left, you got to honor him. Yeah, I agree with that, Sam. And look, we all, my experience with sports, uh, now that I've, uh, Got a few rings around the trunk. I We mark our lives by memories in sports. And those people in Toronto will never forget that. At least those who witnessed it. And they'll be telling stories about it for the next three, four decades probably. And so even if the guy left you, you have to appreciate what took place. Well, not only that, it shouldn't get glossed over either. That it's like, listen, um, I mean, admittedly, guys, I'm kind of exhausted by the narratives and the the debates about 
you know, should they boo this guy? Should this guy get cheered? It just it just feels very, very kind of cliche sometimes, and it's just it's a weird discussion that never seems to end based on the different players. But with Kawhi, you know, he was traded there. Like he he didn't even choose to go to Toronto. You know what I mean? Um, and and so that's the part where I, I kind of you know I can understand it a little bit more. You know, when a guy might come to town to do a job, and then you feel like he didn't get the job done. Uh, fine, but you know the, the the discussion about player control in this era is obviously evolving and, and on a new level. And in that regard, it's like I just don't think anybody can blame Kawhi for wanting to leave a place that he obviously didn't want to play in anymore and go back home, which is the the, the you know nice sunny Southern California. Sam, as always, thank you very much for jumping on with us. We really appreciate it. You got it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Sam. Sam Amick, your NBA Daily Assist. Sam, of course, from The Athletic. Make sure and check out his work at theathletic.com. You brought that up. And that, that, that was, I thought, kind of a unique moment last night, wasn't it? It turned out to be pretty cool. Yeah. And it could have been super yes. awkward. It really could have been. Uh-huh, I agree. And, and it's easier to get through those moments when there's a, a ring involved. You know, the fans are probably not going to boo considering they won the title. You know, <laughs> uh, that yeah. probably makes it a little bit easier. But. Yeah, but turns- it is hard when a player rejects you, or at least that's the way the people feel, you know. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, well, I mean, we've uh, we've experienced that around here, right? You mean you don't like us? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. All right, live from Larry H. Miller, Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram in Sandy, 10905 South Auto Mall Drive. Stay tuned. We'll have more next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you to join Scotty and Hans coming up on Monday, December 16th from noon to 3 at My Hearing Center in Sandy, 8941 South, 700 East, Suite 204. We also want to say a big thanks to Sam Amick, who joined us for your NBA Daily Assist, brought to you by Lease Heating and Air. Cold weather is here. Is your home's heating system ready? Lee's Heating and Air is now offering their winter furnace checkup for only 59 bucks. Calls Lee's Heating and Air today, 801-747-LEES, or online at leesheatac.com. We are live at Larry H. Miller Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram here in the Southtown Audemont. Speaking of which, I have some advice for you, Jake. Oh, boy. Uh, we talked earlier. I asked you whether you'd ever given your given your uh, wife a, a car for Christmas, or uh-huh. whether you'd ever received one, uh-huh. and you scoffed at that I as, as though that would be impossible. But when you're going to buy a new car, time it right so you can give it to her and give it to her for as a Christmas present. So you avoid getting another gift. Well, I mean that could be a that could be a plus because I enjoy getting my wife a gift <laughs> for the holidays. Well, you made it sound like it would be hard to do that, but I mean they got all these beautiful cars down here, and if the time is right for a new car, then you could work it into the regular sort of schedule of things. Hmm. Little tip there for you. Well, thanks. That's terrific. <laughs> uh, you know, when I come to this. This dealership, I, I've uh, bought two or three or four, three or four cars from here through the years, and uh, it's uh, it, it. I've had good experiences here, and, but two things that I think of when I come here is I used to do a show here with Kevin Graham, way way back. I mean, right after they opened this store, and that experience with Kevin, uh, I remember two distinct moments. 
in time. The first one was when he said, and you've heard me say, bring this up before, we were giving tickets away, and he said, the first person who rides up on a horse <laughs> gets the tickets. And I'm going, Kevin, no one's going to ride up on a horse. <laughs> Who's going to ride up on a horse? But it was in, I think it was in conjunction with the uh, uh, Days of 47 rodeo. And, and the other thing was he called it the 47 Days of Rodeo. <laughs> I said, no, the rodeo doesn't go for 47 days, Kevin. You know. you know, you always tell that story, and then I, I always expected to culminate with somebody actually walked up on a horse, but it never no, happened. No, 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 no one ever rode up on a horse. So uh, That would make the story more interesting. Well, I know, but it would be, that's what makes it so. That's what makes it funny is that it's absolutely preposterous. Mm. Is someone going to ride a horse into the stu- into the uh, into the car dealership? No. Forty-seven days of rodeo. Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of funny. I got it. <laughs> I think one time Kevin tried to get uh, someone to come in, uh, you know, in their swim trunks in their in a bikini or something. Hmm. Yeah, that wouldn't go over well today's <laughs> day and age. <laughs> Probably you not. You might be pretty lucky you're not still doing a show with Kevin. <laughs> Real quick here, Gordon, just so we can squeeze a, a little value out of this segment. Um, not that, of course, coming up on a horse doesn't doesn't have value. But just sharing <laughs> a funny moment, that's all. Uh, today at the press conference for uh, the Alamo Bowl, Kyle Whittingham said uh, Morgan Scali received, quote, a ton of interest, unquote, from other schools in recent weeks. And uh, for head coach and defensive coordinator positions, quote, from Witt, he was very sought after for both those positions, unquote. Maybe a little insight onto why that addendum came down for Morgan. Well, essentially, this is the way that went. Okay. Uh, Kyle calls uh, Morgan in. And says, uh, Morgan, so you've been getting some uh, some interest. And Morgan says, yeah, uh, this place, this place, this place, and this place has contacted me. And Kyle says, hey, you like living here in Utah, don't you, Morgan? You're a Utah boy, you know, born and raised. I imagine he was born. I don't know if he, for sure if he's born here. A Highland guy. Here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, has spent the entirety of his coaching career here. Had opportunities to go with Urban Meyer. And uh, do you like it here, Morgan? And Morgan says, yeah. And he said, okay, well, you'll be the next head coach when I retire. And Morgan said, okay, how much are you going to pay me? And they said, we'll bump you up here in the meantime. End of story. Kind of feels that way, doesn't it? Yeah. I yeah. think that's uh, – obviously, I wasn't there, but I think that's pretty pretty logical to think the conversation went somewhere along that line. Well, and you know what? It makes a lot of sense because if you were UNLV or Colorado State, man, why wouldn't you want to hire exactly. Morgan Scali? You know? He's smart. He's uh, got a great football mind. He, the success that he's had is, is, is uh, obvious to anybody. And if Kyle Whittingham thinks you are valuable on the defensive side of the ball, you're valuable. Yeah. All right, we are live from Larry Schmiller Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram in Sandy, 10905 South Audemars Drive. Right now, you can get employee pricing plus at their big finish event. Save up to nine grand off new Jeeps or up to $15,000 off new Ram trucks, or get massive savings up to 25% off MSRP, over 250 to choose from. You've got to check it out, 10905 South Auto Mall Drive. More big show straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. 
This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. From the athletic good friend of the program, Mike Ugin. The four-team college football playoffs are now set. And once again, the West is locked out of those college football playoffs. I think part of that goes back to the Pac-12 cannibalization aspect. Um, there has been no one truly dominant team like in the old days when USC blitzed everybody. I think if Utah hadn't beaten Oregon, I think Utah would be the fourth team. And I think the fact that Oregon loses to an Arizona State. Utah loses to a USC. While that's, wow, this league is really deep, you don't want to be deep. You want to have, frankly, an imbalance at the top, and the Pac-12 has not had that. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to 3. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Wrapping up a big show, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. I want to say a big thanks to Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep Dodge Ram here in Sandy for being our gracious hosts. They are terrific. They will take great care of you. Uh, they have over $25 million and 12 acres of inventory to choose from. So they've got something that will suit you. And their non-commissioned sales staff is dedicated to helping you save big this weekend with their employee pricing plus. Uh, so check it out. Make sure if you're in the market for a new or used car do yourself a favor and check out lhm used car or uh you larry h miller chrysler jeep dodge ram right here in sandy uh before we get out of here you know what's coming up next gordo what the movie zone a little program starring our very own austin horton and adrian leiser and uh, oftentimes we like to uh, check out what the poll question is going to be for the upcoming movie zone and give our thoughts austin so we uh we've extended the poll question from last week through this week so it's a two-week sample size of answers uh we're, we're also have we'll also have a review by the way of richard jewell movie that i went and saw about the atlanta bombing uh, guy that got accused wrongfully of being the bomber um but the the poll question is most overrated christmas or holiday movies most overrated christmas or holiday okay here's here's one and i know this is gonna be controversial because everybody seems to to love this but the the like claymation rudolph the red-nosed reindeer Ah. you know what i'm talking about it has not aged well i'll tell you that i watched it recently no but that's some of the charm no. Yeah, no. I've never. I meant some that. of the, the nomenclature has not aged too well. Yeah. Yeah. Not oh, not okay. my thing. Oh. I've always people always reference that like it's hilarious in this classic, and I've just it's never, Santa's never a liked it. jerk in that. By the way, just a <laughs> misogynistic. Anyway, so I I think that would probably be my answer. Mm. Good answer. All right. Or, or or let me put it this way, and I I like the movie Die Hard, but uh, the the joke of Die Hard being a Christmas movie is is. Old. By now, I mean, I see people like I can't wait to watch my favorite Christmas movie, Die Hard. Ha ha ha! Did you know that's a Christmas movie? Ha ha ha! Uh, anyway, you're gonna have an overrated Christmas movie. You didn't answer the question. Uh, I've never seen the Christmas Story, the Christmas Story, whatever it's called. So I can't, I can't comment on that. And the only other one I can think of is. Uh, What's one with Jimmy Stewart? It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life. Those are the only Christmas movies you could think of. What other Christmas movies are there? It's it's honestly one of the biggest genres of movies out there. There's thousands, thousands of Christmas. Uh, Well, I saw the one with with what's his name who gained all the weight and became Santa Claus. I saw that one. The Santa Claus. uh, Yeah, the Santa. Hard to remember that, huh? (laughs) 
How about Ernest Saves Christmas? I mean, there's, <laughs> Never there's saw honestly that. thousands of Christmas movies. Uh, it, it's not a Christmas Miracle vacation. Miracle on 34th Street. That. Uh, oh, man. All right. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the Big Show Movie Zone coming up next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. If only there were more Christmas movies. There are so many Christmas <laughs> movies. What are you not talking? that I watch.